Did you know that the oldest still functioning refugee camp in the world is located in the Algerian desert? And did you know that, according to the United Nations, Western Sahara is the largest non-self-governing territory nowadays? Come with us, for we will interview today Mr. Mohamed Jeslam, ambassador of the Sahrawi Arab Democratic Republic to South Africa. He will drive us through a conflict sometimes forgotten that involves Spain as a colonial entity, Morocco, Algeria, France, the United States, the United Nations, and the African Union, among other actors, and that's still unresolved since 1975. Well, hello everyone. We are in a new episode of the Geopolitical Picor. Today we'll have with us His Excellency the Ambassador of the Sahrawi Arab Democratic Republic in South Africa, Mohamed Jislam Beysad Day. And uh, thank you very much, Your Excellency, for being here. You're welcome. Um, so, well, I just want to start off uh, with going through the history of Western Sahara, perhaps from Spanish uh, occupation or Spanish colonization, through the process of decolonization, then the conflicts with Mauritania and, uh, and Morocco, and how that developed into the current day situation mm. of Western Sahara. Thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be with you. I appreciate your interest in the matter. Well, before the Spanish colonization, Morocco never actually went beyond Marrakesh. Not even what is known today as Southern Morocco was part of the then Morocco. For example, Tantan and Gurmi had never been part of the Kingdom of Morocco. If even we rely on the official Moroccan maps that they were given to the uh, European powers who were uh, doing the colonization then. Then came the Spanish colonization, which was an agreement between the Sahrawi leaders and Don Luis Carlos III, Carlos Quinto, one of the kings in, in, in the agreement of the Canarias. Then, of course, in the 50s, in the 60s, the World Liberation Movement in all the world, of which Sarah was also lead. And after a war, Spain uh, finished it. Uh, instead of doing the right thing, which is a decolonization operation supervised by United Nations, the United Nations, they have opted for illegal and shameful manner to end their existence in Western Sahara through what we call Madrid Tripartite Agreement, where they have divided the territory between themselves, Morocco and Mauritania. Mm -hmm. That Morocco will have the north, Mauritania will have the south, Spain will conserve official rights of the coast of Western Sahara. Mm -hmm. That agreement uh, led to a war of 16 years that and Mauritania left and recognized the Sahara Republic and had good relations with them. Morocco still invaded the Mauritanian part and the Northern War continued till 91, where the United Nations get involved to try to find a solution that never found. Mm -hmm. Despite hundreds of resolutions, the United Nations never implemented one of them. And now, um, uh, the ceasefire was, uh, was agreed in 1991. Uh, the situation was kept uh, 
in low in low level in a way, but in 2020, uh, the ceasefire uh, was broken. Uh, what drove to that situation? Morocco wanted to open a road that links our occupied territory to Montaigne. To open that road, you have to do a bridge in the berm. Mm-hmm. And that was a violation to the ceasefire agreement that we had with them and with the United Nations. But they disregard those agreements, they didn't respect the agreement, military agreement number one, military agreement number two, and the resolution of Security Council regarding the United Nations. So they sent their army in what they called operation, by operation by army, which ended the ceasefire. Then they occupied more land, about 40 square kilometers, they built the new burrows, and they sent their troops beyond the demarcation line. Of course, that was a death kiss for the ceasefire and for the agreement we, we had with them and with the United Nations. In, um, in, because of uh, this situation, the Polisarian Front, who is a representative of uh, the Sahrawi uh, Republic, um, uh, stated that they uh, that they would actually start um, that they would start preparations for war. Uh, what has this meant in these last two years? Well, the ceasefire was hanging up there. The ceasefire was meant to be psychological and political preparation for the holding of the referendum. Mm-hmm. It was a package. You can't take from the package the ceasefire and leave the referendum. It was intimately linked with those ceasefire, freedom of the political prisoners, repatriation of refugees, the electoral campaign, then the referendum. Morocco got the ceasefire, they doesn't want to do the other elements of the package. So, out of our determination to look for a peaceful solution, we respected this, fire, or this ceasefire for 30 years. But ceasefire was the essence of the ceasefire, was thrown away when Morocco had its fault uh, fast, uh, its turnaround position, and changed his heart about all the United Nations peace plan in Western Sahara. Mm-hmm. So, on the referendum, I mean, it's been scheduled to happen since 1991, but the uh, Sahrawi Republic is the largest mm-hmm. non self governing territory that mm-hmm. has not um, had its opportunity for self determination. Mm-hmm. Um, what hopes do you see for the referendum in the future while this ceasefire is being breached and then further on from that, say, if, if this dispute can be resolved, um, there's obviously a lot of ongoing issues with who would actually be able to vote in the referendum. So how There are two elements around mm, Exactly. There's a political will that is not there. There is no political will, neither in, in, in Morocco, nor in his allies, Western allies. Mm-hmm. They want Morocco to rule the country illegally, in total disregard of the sentiment of the population. That's the main and the only serious obstacle in front of the referendum, which is the lack of the political will. Because Morocco is saying he, he doesn't want the referendum. But Morocco has refused the referendum three times before and have went back to accept it. Mm-hmm. Morocco in 75, he said, no referendum is, is possible. And the dossier is closed. The file is closed. After a war, he went running to King Hassan to Nairobi and he pledged to do a referendum because of the struggle of the Sahara people. Mm-hmm. Then, just 
So when he delayed the resolution of the OAU in Nairobi in 93, he said, no, there is no referendum. There is only a confirmative referendum. We went back again to war and we obliged him to accept the referendum. And in his own mouth, he said in the General Assembly speech, and it's on YouTube, that I am ready now for a self-determination referendum. That's why we signed the ceasefire agreement and Minusu was deployed in the territory. Three, one year because of Kuwait situation, terrorism in Algeria also changed his heart about the referendum. We went back again also pressurizing him and Baker did convince him to do the referendum. That's why we signed Houston agreement which gave a date to the referendum. And when everything is ready for the referendum, the King uh, Hassan disappeared. His son came and he said, no referendum. Now he said, long the road with the war, we will oblige him to come back to the referendum. Because there is no other way mm. to solve the problem. This is international law. Mm. A non-self-governed territory should have the right to a decolonization process through the voting of the people to choose what they want. That's the self-determination. It's about vote people voting about what they want. Not a king who will decide who you are. It's not the king who will rule me and decide who I will be and what is my country going to be. Of course, that's totally unacceptable and outrageous in the third millennium. That belongs to Europe history of 14th century or 15th century, where kings were owning people and lands and eyes and skies and water and, and waters. That, that's not anymore the case. I would like to ask you, because in this podcast we, we talk about geopolitics, so mm. everything that is involved with the situation. I would like to start with uh, the, with the territory of, uh, of Western Sahara and what does it have? Uh, it's got fishing uh, fishing ponds that have been, as you were mentioning, they were in the Madrid uh, accords. They were given to Madrid in those accords. Uh, there's four states. What are the, the resources that the territory has to maintain itself or that Morocco may like to have? problem of Western Sahara that it has a lot of resources, be it relative resources, fisheries, or the biggest stock of phosphate rocks and the best ones in the world. But also there is uh, petrol, gas, gold, diamond, copper, iron, uh, and our frontiers with Mauritania, same iron that Mauritania had. It's a very uh, rich territory. But they brought, but luckily have a very small population. Mm -hmm. And that's what attracts the greed of our Moroccan neighbor to be with us. And in that, uh, in that sense, now going to, to the country surrounding, uh, what are the current relations? Uh, you were mentioning that with Mauritania after the agreement in 76, 79, excuse me. Uh, they are good relations. Uh, with Algeria, Algeria hosts the largest uh, refugee camp and the oldest in Africa um, of, of Sahrawi population. How is your relation with, with the immediate neighbors? Well, good relation with all our neighbors except Morocco. Mm -hmm. And Morocco has bad relations with all the neighbors, including us. So it's the opposite. Sahrawi Republic has a very friendly relation with our brothers in Mauritania, with our brothers in Algeria, with the Canarian Islands. Mm -hmm. Very historically friendly relations. Mm -hmm. 
Only Morocco was invading our territory and occupying part of land and repressing the repression against our population. Mm-hmm. While Morocco has bad relation with every every neighbor. Have you been living in a flat? You will have problems with the one upstairs and the one downstairs. But they have it from Spain, travels with Spain, travels with Algeria. Totally no relation with Algeria, no relation with Mauritania. And of course, a war with the Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, on Algeria, um, how do you see the relationship developing because of the potential, the new agreement with the EU for Algeria to, start to supply large amounts of gas to the EU? Do you think that could be used for the benefit of uh, the Western Saharan people for recognition? Or do you think it could be used as a wedge against, like to drive Algeria further apart from? Uh, the Western Saharan people? Algeria have uh, a history, a very important history, uh, during the war of liberation against France. It was uh, the bloodiest, mm-hmm. most heroic, and most uh, impacting. And that war of liberation had impacted Algerian politics and Algerian side and Algerian population. Every Algerian has someone who was killed by France during the liberation war. So they feel very strongly about the national liberation and about the independence, about the liberation. Actually, the resolution uh, 1514 of the United Nations about organization was adopted 16 of December 1960, after Algeria demonstrations the 10th of December in Algiers. When the Algerians revolted very strongly, and that attracted a big uh, support from the international community, and the resolution 1514 have uh, been passed and adopted, which is they call it the charter of decolonization. Uh, the position of Algeria is clear, it's a legal and moral position in favor of decolonization and self-determination of all the peoples. They have defended in Timor Leste, they have defended in Namibia against South Africa, they have defended in Belize, in Latin America. So they are very consistent with their policy, which is also enshrined in their constitution and in the mind and hearts of their population. We want to go a little bit, uh, first we're going to start with the African continent. Uh, The Saharawi Arab Democratic Republic is a founding member of uh, the African Union. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And for example, Morocco wasn't uh, in the African Union until 2017. Mm Um, what are your relations right now? You're ambassador uh, in uh, South Africa. What are the relations? What is the position right now of the of the SADR within the African Union? And what is the Morocco uh, has a very racist position towards Africa. Actually, King Hassan has insulted Africa several times, seeing the Tam Tam conferences and faded continent. They have left. The African, they refused to sign the Charter of OAU in 1963 because they refused to recognize a very cardinal principle of AU and AID and African Union, which is the respect of the inherited colonial frontiers at the independence. Mm-hmm. Then they have uh, left the, Af- the OAU in 1984. Mm-hmm. After 30 years, they tried to come back, not out of their convention to be, to play a role in the African Union, but they think from inside they can change the EU. So they came back with a very bad faith 
and the very ill-advised mentality to rule the African Union state that want to rule 55 countries. Today, despite their return to the African Union, African Union have adopted the resolution of Johannesburg about silencing the gun, where it asked for negotiations between the two member states, the Kingdom of Morocco and the Sahara Republic, and to prepare a referendum of self-determination. Also, the Peace and Security uh, Council have passed a resolution on the issue. I just came back two days ago from Lusaka of the Executive Council, where they confirmed an existing resolution that all countries must participate in the in the partnership conference with the EU and with Japan, despite a very strong lobbying from Morocco to exclude some countries. Mm -hmm. So, five years after the return of Morocco, the position of the Africa is pretty clear in favor of its own charter and its own founding values and principles. Mm -hmm. So on that, do you see the African Union being the main vessel or uh, arena which um, the Sahari Republic could uh, undertake the referendum? Uh, I think today, if you see the, the setting from outside, you see the impasse and the non-movement of the issue. But when you take a clo closer look at the issue, you feel the germs of a solution are getting uh, gathered. Today, the Sahara issue is present very strongly in the EU agenda. Mm. It's very present in the EU, European Union with African Union agenda. America having a problem with the position of Western Sahara. European Union having a problem. The gas is related to Western Sahara. The, the electricity uh, energy related to Western fishery. The cooperation with Morocco and the European Union is hanging in the sky waiting the ruling of the court. So Japan is, it's, it's a summit which will be in the next month in Tunis. It's also about Western Sahara. Mm -hmm. So all aspects, political, economic, commercial, energetic, Security and defense is somehow related by way or another to how we solve the problem of Western Sahara. So in Morocco, in his way that he thinks he is avoiding the issue, he helped us to put it very high on the agenda. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. In that matter, because uh, as you were mentioning, uh, the relations between the, the European Union and Morocco, the relations with the United States, uh, there was this statement by uh, former President Trump, uh, a pro-Moroccan uh, position. Um, I would like to divide it in two. First, I would like to ask, to ask you about the position of the European Union mm -hmm. in this sense. Uh, as far as I understand, uh, this is left to the Spanish uh, position and it more or less follows, but then there's obviously troubles there because France also has a position uh, in the beginning of, uh, well, with this uh, latest crisis of um, between Morocco and Spain, actually the crisis started before with Germany and and Morocco. How do you see the the presence or the or the involvement of the European Union first, and then of the United States? How do you see? Well, that? with the European Union is involved directly because of one of its members is the cause of this trouble, which is Spain. 
So Europe has a direct responsibility about what happened and they can participate more actively in the solution if they want. Problem with Europe that the position that is taken is always France position, which is the one interested in Africa and especially in North Africa. Uh, Spain has a very shameful position, especially President Pedro uh, Sanchez. He chooses uh, deals, personal deals he had with the king. He and his wife had with the king. He chooses them from the position of the Spanish parliament, of the Spanish population, and the position of international legality. Uh, Pedro Sanchez shamelessly have endorsed Moroccan plan of autonomy, uh, while European Union is still supporting United Nations this plan, including Germany still supporting. Funny enough, France didn't follow yet the Spanish uh, illegal and shameful position. And but we have to remember, America position is ambiguous. They say they support the United Nations, Biden and Blinken said repeatedly they support the United Nations peace process. But they don't want also to change the tweet of Trump. They are somehow having an ambiguous position. But you have to remember that in 75, Morocco invaded Western Sahara with the total support of America and of Europe, and not only a pledge of support of autonomy from Spain, a signature that Western Sahara is Morocco. So, for Morocco to make a big issue of a position of outsider players, it's, it's pointless. Because that have been always there, support of America to Morocco. Have been always support from Spain to Morocco by arms, by money, by diplomatic backing. Always European Union have supported Morocco with money, with diplomatic backing, with arms, with ammunition. Did that help Morocco? Did that make Morocco uh, win the game? It didn't. So Morocco, Every time trying to do O'Hare Ambalage, new packing, the support he has already had and present it as a new element in the game. Why well, it's not new? Morocco invaded our land with the total support of America and of Europe, and that did not help him. What will help Morocco is the support from the Sahrawis, and that's the key issue here. I would like to ask you because. Uh the, the SAVI is uh, rather, it, in its liberation movement, it is rather with many other movements in the world. I would like to ask you, uh, how do you see these movements now going forward uh, with the seemingly new uh, great power competition uh, between East and West and also with China? Um, this, is, uh, this is not just uh, with Western Sahara, but it also can be uh, the Kurdish topic can be Palestine, can be... What, what led to this bad situation of the world we live in is the double standards and the non-respect of international law. America and the West who, who shout about Russian invasion to Ukraine, they did nothing about Moroccan invasion to Western Sahara. Spain cannot say they are supporting international legality in Ukraine. Because if they are doing that, they would have supported it in Western Sahara. America cannot say a word about military invasion of land because they are supporting Moroccan invasion to my land. So they have to look for another reason to explain that position to me and to Africa. 
This double standards, this duplicity, this hypocrisy, it's leading humanity to destruction. It's leading humanity, making all the issues uh, again a joke. Uh, destruction of everything humanity has built from from 1945 after the Second World. They are making it a joke. They don't do anything about Moroccan invasion. They don't do anything about Israel's uh, destruction of the Palestinian land and invasion of the land, land grab. And now they want to make me believe they support Ukraine because of justice and defense. No, come on. That's not serious. That's a joke. Well, uh, Your Excellency, I think uh, <coughs> you've given us... I don't know if you have any other question. No, I think we covered everything here as well. Um, thank you very much. We, uh, we have to tell you thank you very much. There's one part in our podcast uh, where, we, where we like to ask our interviewees uh, what has been their career development to maybe give uh, inspiration to prospect uh, diplomats, prospect workers in international organizations. May we ask you what drove you to be in the position you are today. You've also been the, the, the Minister for the Americas, mm. uh, you know, around the world. What drove you to this situation? Uh, How was your career was? I'm doing this to free my country, mm-hmm. to go back to my city that I left in 75, 50 years ago, I never went back home. So I'm doing an engagement in the struggle of my people mm-hmm. to free myself, to free my country. To free my people from the occupation of that. And how was your how was your career development? I don't think it's a career; it's a struggle mm-hmm. that me and all my compatriots are involved in. Everyone in his way, mm-hmm. everyone who thinks that he can contribute. Netoko, mm-hmm. uh, it uh, was my part to go and speak to the world, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I, it's my honor to do it. But my pleasure to do it. And I will do everything that will help my people be free. Well, on that, we are very thankful that you could come on with us here and talk about it and explain the... Well, thank you very much for giving me the opportunity, which I appreciate a lot. It's been very informing and yeah, we, we really appreciate it. And thanks for coming on the Geopolitical Pickle. And I think that's all we have for today. Thank you very much. Shukran. Shukran. Muchas gracias. Thank you very much, Ambassador. Thanks for tuning in to Your Political Pickle. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we look forward to seeing you next time. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram for more behind-the-scenes content. And subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. Thank you and see you next week.